Hey guys, it's Chase Will, host of the Family Fright Night Horror Podcast. Here to quickly let you know, I'm going to be at the Scares That Care 8, July 29th through 31st in Williamsburg, Virginia, where I'll have my coming-of-age novel Moving Through for sale, along with a special bonus book that will only be available at the convention. Be sure to hit the subscribe button for new episodes of the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and follow me at chasewill.com. Enjoy the show! Welcome to the Family Fright Night Horror Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Family Fright Night Horror Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Will, and today I'm joined by author Daniel Volpe. Volpe? Volpe? Volpe. Volpe, okay, I was right. Like wrong pee, place. like urine. Yeah, <laughs> pee like urine, yeah. Daniel Volpe is the author of Only Psychos, Left to You, Talia, and Billy Silver, as well as many others. Talia has a sequel coming out soon, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm actually in the uh, process of writing that right now. I think I'm about 21,000 words into it. Holy so, shit. Uh, yeah, it's going well. Uh, it'll probably be around probably 40 to 50 mark. Most of my books are around that 40K mark, <laughs> which seems to be my sweet spot. So it'll probably end right around there as well. You're a pretty fast writer, aren't you? It's not that I'm a fast writer. I'm just a structured writer. Um, I get up every day at five, at 5 a.m., Monday through Friday. I take care of my dog. And then I sit at the computer for about 45 minutes and I pump out about a thousand words. Damn, and dude. That's, that's pretty much it. I want and your work ethic. <laughs> that's my, that's my key to success, everybody. Okay. There's an occasional weekend here or there where I'm like, oh, I, I have some free time, which now going to the summer is rare. But, um, if I have some free time or something like that. I might get like a good day in on like the weekend and write three to 5,000 words. Um, but those are few and far between. I try to do about 20K a month. It's usually my goal. Damn, dude. I need to catch up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a slow writer. So you don't have those days where your kids like wander into your office and you're kind of like thousand yards staring like Jack Torrance in front of your computer. <laughs> But no, because I'm up at five in the morning, so they're not up. So the house is quiet. <laughs> and it's just it's just me and the computer, and it's silent. And I sit there and I write. And, um, if there are days where I have to write, and kids are in like the um, like I usually write in my living room. I have like a little office section over there. I have an office in my basement that I built, and it's beautiful. And I never go down here. I literally <laughs> always just sit in the living room. Um, That's I'll how it always works. Yeah, I'll put like noise canceling headphones on and some like white noise, and uh, just go to town. Nice, man. Today, we're talking about one of your favorite films, the original mm. Candyman, not the remake. We'll talk a little bit about that. But Candyman starring Tony Todd. What is it about this movie that drew you in? How did you discover this one? Well, I think this came out in the early 90s and I was I was young. So my parents weren't really too keen on uh, they didn't really care what we watched. Like we were pretty open to watching most horror movies. Uh, my parents are actually pretty young. Um, so they were my dad mainly was a horror fan. And I was always kind of exposed to horror movies, horror TV shows, like Are You Afraid of the Dark, Goosebumps. Oh, yeah. um, so Candyman, I don't know what it was that just drew me to it. I think the first time we watched it was a bunch of us neighborhood kids. Somebody got a copy of it, and we sat down and watched it. And I just remember it still fucking gives me like goosebumps. Oh, can I curse on here before I start? Absolutely. Okay, I just want to make sure. <laughs> family and Family Fright Night is a total misnomer. <laughs> okay, I just want to make sure because sometimes I... <laughs> I have sometimes I have to remember, but um, I just tell people I have Tourette sometimes. I don't know if that's offensive <laughs> or not, but it explains so much about the way I talk. <laughs> uh, the scene in Candyman, the parking garage, where you first meet Candyman, and he's he's saying Helen, and that really deep, deep voice scared the shit out of me. And mm -hmm. even to this day, I think that's one of the most iconic scenes. And you see the hook for the first time, really, in that in that scene, and he's standing there, and 
she just starts to go into trance. And then from that scene on pretty much it's just craziness throughout the whole oh, yeah. movie. Like she wakes up in like a pile, like a pile, but a puddle of blood, like a lady screaming. Yeah. That's how it starts off the next scene. Yep. I'm like, Oh shit. Yeah. The dog, the decapitated dog is laying there. And yeah. And her she kid's has a missing. cleaver in her hand. Yeah. Dude. Tony Todd, like anything he does, just hearing his voice, just that deep baritone. God, he's just terrifying. Even when he's not trying to be. Like even in movies like Hatchet, we're just given like those kind of funny horror speeches where yeah. it's kind of <laughs> tongue in cheek. I'm like, dude, you're still scaring me right now. <laughs> yeah, and he's got to be in probably close to his 60s or 70s, and he still he still has that uh, that aura about him. And mm-hmm. you know, like you said, he could be telling a joke, but it's just the way his his voice is, the inflection, and everything about it is just, he's a horror icon. But like, why did the chicken cross the road? <laughs> <laughs> you know, who else is like that and has an amazing, scary voice and is just scary, but a really, really nice person is Wrath James White. Oh, yeah. Rath, I was talking to him Rath, last week. Yeah. Wrath has a, that booming, deep voice, but he is one of the nicest people to ever meet. So, I learned so much about him, too. I did not know he was like a heavyweight title champion and has all these yeah. other things he's done. I'm like, dude, I have so much more respect for you now. Yeah. Like, not that I did before, but like before I only knew him as a horror author. I didn't know he has done like a billion different things. Yeah. yeah. It's like, dude, I got to <laughs> catch up. <laughs> uh, Candyman, how did you feel about the remake lately? Honestly, I haven't seen it. I saw some of the trailers. And then just from some of the the reviews, like I'm not a huge review person, but I'm also not a very big remake person. And to me, I almost feel like watching a remake sometimes will either bring down the original a little bit for me or make me appreciate the original so more, so much more. So I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna sit this one out. Cause when I watched the new Pet Cemetery, the remake of Pet Cemetery, I was like, this is fucking trash. Yeah. I was so mad. And then it like made me mad that it wasn't as good as the original it wasn't as good as the second one mm. and i'm like you know what i'm not even gonna i'm not even gonna watch the remake of candy man i'm just gonna stay with the original and just 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 love that one for what it is the only thing i like the only redeeming factor in the new candy man for me is that they tried i guess to pay homage to the original but they did so many things differently like they always do it's like why even call it candy man why not just make your own horror movie instead of leeching off popularity of an older movie yeah. And I mean, even the book, I think it's the forbidden place, yeah. the forbidden by Clive Barker. Like that's different than the movie. I mean, was that from know, the fourth books of blood? It was one of those. It was one of the books. of um, blood. No, I don't, I don't think it's the books of blood. It's in the flesh, maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In, the, in the flesh is what it's called. I think that's the collection. It's like four novellas or something along those lines. But um, I remember Clive reading that. I'm like, this, this isn't even really remotely the same thing, but. No, <laughs> it's hard to do a proper Clive Barker adaptation, though, because I think what a lot of people get in their minds when they hear Clive Barker is just Pinhead, you know, Doug yeah. Bradley's Pinhead. And that's really it, unless you're like a bigger fan of his. But his writing is so much more than just the visuals. Like the guy is a genius. Yeah, I um, I actually read the first books of blood on my honeymoon. And I brought with me. Already. <laughs> I was in Costa Rica, my wife, and uh, she was taking a little a little siesta. And I'm like, I'm gonna sit out. I sat out, looked at the beautiful ocean, smoked a cigar, and drank some beer and, and read books of blood. So, was, and she uh, saw it, it sitting there on the nightstand and said, "This is what I signed up for." Yeah, you're in for the long haul. <laughs> so we're talking. Later, uh, we're still going. 
we're talking a bit about your writing process. Like, how do you not get your ideas, but how do you decide which ones to execute? Like, how do they make the hierarchy in your brain? Because I know the hamster wheel is always spinning. You always get idea after idea. What makes an idea for you worth pursuing? Um, sometimes it is the readers. You know, sometimes the readers will kind of guide me. Like Talia, which has grown to be one of my, probably my second most popular book, was I never had any intentions of writing that book. When I wrote Billy Silver, which was my first one, um, the readers were kind of like, oh, this, this character Talia is really unique. You know, what, what's her backstory? And I'm like, I have no idea. And they're like, oh, we'd really like to know. We'd like to know. So I'm like, you know, I want to know. So I kind of developed this backstory for her and she kind of became like a, a cult character where people are, I have people cosplaying her and, um, you know, sending me all sorts of cool stuff and whatnot. So uh, sometimes it's the readers, what they want is sometimes what I'll, what I'll give them. You know, ultimately I'm, I'm an entertainer mm-hmm. and if they want to be entertained by a certain story, then I'll probably will write that story for them. That's awesome. That's like magic right there. When you make that connection with people, like it's, it, the yeah. fact that people are cosplaying as Talia already, that tells me that you really hit a mark. Like you've really got some gold in there. Yeah. It was funny because when the, uh, the woman, her name is uh killer bunny, Charlie on Facebook, she's oh, yeah. super nice. She's awesome. Great supporter of horror. She sent me this picture and it was a friend of hers had done it for a, a class. And on the picture that she took, it was her dressed like Talia. And it said like coming to Netflix, on october 13th and i i shared it and people my phone was blowing up they're like holy shit you got a netflix deal i'm like no (laughs) it was like a fan fiction thing i'm like i wish but it's it's not hey man anymore netflix will probably pick it up at some point (laughs) they they, they seem to say yes a lot yeah you never know netflix this is your pitch watch this episode and tell him yes yes green lights (laughs) <laughs> uh, back to candy man for you what was your best scene in that movie what was the scene that really sticks with you um i mean the the parking garage scene always kind of is one of those but uh it, it's kind of comical now when i think about it as an adult but the scene where she's in the medicine cabinet and his like abnormally long arm punches through with the hook mm-hmm. and his arm is like five feet long <laughs> and he's like swiping around with it like now as an adult i'm like Oh, it's kind of funny because you can see it's kind of this the effect. But as a kid, that scared the shit out of you. You're like, this thing's huge. It punches out of the wall and he's just everywhere. And as she's running, you know, he, he just can't escape him. Um, even in the beginning when they're telling the, the urban legend and they shut the lights off, you know, they say in the mirror and shut the lights off. Like, I think me and my dipshit friends must have done that a million times and probably only got to four times. And we're like, oh, no, we're too chicken shit to do it. You know, um, that's another good one, too, in the beginning, just when they're telling me the story mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean that movie's just got a lot of great scenes even when she first gets to cabrini greens and just the atmosphere of everything around her um when i talk about the kid getting his, his dick cut off in the in the uh the public bathroom we can't even come to the toilet like even that like it, it's it's a very intense movie especially when i was probably 10 or 11 years old watching it oh yeah and a lot went into the making of that too. I heard uh, Tony Todd the scene with the bees, like he actually got stung all over his face and yeah. out of his mouth. Like that's dedication right there. If one bee stings me, I'm just done for the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no CGI. Like it was just here, open your mouth, I'm gonna fill you with bees. Like, like you gotta really idea. trust your director at that point, man. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, I, I know fast. you have a vision for this. I will suffer through the bees. I will not Nicholas yeah. Cage just and scream about it. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. Not the bees. Full wicker man on you. 
Uh, we're talking about before this, um, you're a big Slipknot fan. Music, how does it influence you as a writer? Do you listen to it while you're writing or do you prefer silence? Um, generally, I prefer silence. I, I can't listen. To, if I listen to anything, I usually put on like noise canceling headphones and I listen to like white noise. Mainly, it's either fire burning or like thunderstorm noises. And I just crank that shit up. It blocks everything else out. And I just listen to that. If um, if it's not something I really have to pay too much attention to, like if I'm just giving like something the final once over, uh, maybe I'll listen to some music in the background. But for the most part, I prefer either silence or just white noise. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of the same. People are asking me if I listen to metal. And I'm like, that would be so distracting, especially if it's a band I know. Yeah. Lyrics. If there's something with lyrics in it, like your yeah. brain's automatically starting to focus on those lyrics and some people can do it or put movies on in the background. Me, I just, I can't, oh, my no. brain has to be focused on the com- computer. Like if I'm within the vicinity of a television, there's 100% chance that television is getting turned on and I'm being distracted. Yeah. A lot of the times I find myself now when I write in the mornings, I'll take my cell phone, I'll put it in another room. So like I'll put it in the kitchen or something like that. So it's not in my bedroom waking up my wife. I just put it in the kitchen. So I'm nowhere near it because I have the habit of like, all right, I'm typing. And then also I get to a point where I'm like, ah, I'm not sure. I'm like, I'm gonna grab my stupid phone and go through this. So then, you know, I'm like, before I know it, I'm like, oh man, I got to leave for work soon. And I only got, you know, 200 words in. So mm-hmm. I will push my phone to the side. So it's not within arm's reach. I can hear it if it rings, but it's not right there. That's really smart. I guess I started doing that. I think I'm going to yeah. learn from some bulky here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, as of today, the 2nd of June is when we're recording this. Classic Monsters, your new novel, had the cover come out today. Uh, what can people yep. expect from this one? Um, this one is going to be pure body horror. There's no supernatural in this. No, um, nothing like that. No crazy monsters. The monsters are the people. And um, this book is... It's, it's psychological, but it, it is a little bit sad because it really focuses on the pressure put on women in society as to what their body image should be and how sometimes this can really damage their psyche. And obviously, some people are already fragile to begin with. And my main character, Pam, is one of these young girls who has this rough childhood and is constantly put down and becomes an adult and has obsession with beauty. And um, it goes horribly south. And um, mm-hmm. she ends up partnering up with a a doctor, a disgraced plastic surgeon that did some really heinous things, and he's been released from prison. And they come up with this uh, this plan, and it uh, it gets really, really, really dark from there on out. I'm excited to read this one. I'm a huge body horror fan. Do you uh, watch a lot of Cronenberg movies? No, honestly, I don't. I don't really. really I, I I'm not a big, and this is always shocks, but I'm not a big movie person. <laughs> like, what? I don't watch. Yeah, I just had a talk with uh, Chris Triana the other night and Aaron Beauregard, and we were talking, and Chris was like, oh, did you watch this? I'm like, I've never heard of that. He's like, <laughs> uh, what about this one? I'm like, nope, I haven't. I don't watch it. And one of the main reasons is my wife hates horror movies, so I don't have a lot of time to watch them on my own. It's not that I don't like horror movies. I just don't have the time to watch them. And if I have spare time to watch horror movies, I'm like, man, I could be writing right now. So I'm like, well... I might as well just go right because you know this movie will ethic, always man. be here. Yeah, the, this movie will always be here. I might as well go right. So I don't really uh, I don't watch a lot. So you're that guy who goes to conventions and is like completely unimpressed by all the people that others are crowding around, right? Oh no, of course I'm. In, oh, like the uh, movie stars? Yeah. Oh yeah, I don't give two shits. 
Yeah, I think I you're like their favorite one there. Then it's like this person's not going to harass me the entire time for an autograph. No, um, Aaron and I went to the New Jersey Horror Con together in September, and uh, Art the Clown was there from Terrifier. Ooh, yeah, David Howard Thornton. Really cool. He came by. Was just kind of you know honked the horn at us, and he was really cool. And, and I always joke with Aaron because I always said that Hatchet's better than Terrifier. So we always we always go back. I have seen Terrifier, and I've seen Hatchet. Hatchet but, to uh, me is a better structured movie because it actually had a story terrifier visually stuck in my mind more that's that's how i'll say yeah it. but i wasn't like starstruck like it was cool to see i'm like oh it's really cool but at a lot of those not a lot but some of those conventions you'll get like uh you know teenager killed by jason in part four yeah like i don't i don't care or background yeah. zombie number seven in the fourth episode of the third season of walking dead or something like that yeah like sixty dollars for a selfie. I'm like, yeah, right. I'm all set. I'll just walk. <laughs> How much extra money do I have? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Do you watch a lot of horror television at all, or is that a no-no too? Uh, no, we watch. It's funny because my wife will watch some of that. Like we've watched uh, most of American Horror Story. We're in the middle of Stranger Things right now, which I don't really consider horror. Um, we just finished up Yellow Jackets, which was excellent, and um. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know what else is really out there. I mean, we don't really go too crazy. I like the first half of the last season of American Horror Story, where that writer, like, takes a pill to write faster and better, but it turns into a vampire. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. We've seen... Oh, shit, we, we skipped around on some of them. I don't remember. We didn't watch that one. I think the last one we just watched was uh, the Lady Gaga one, where there were, like, vampires oh, yeah. and stuff in the hotel, which is pretty good. I liked it. I like that one too. That one got a lot of shit. I don't know why people are saying it was like too sexual. But did you watch the previous four seasons? Yeah, I was gonna say the, the FX got away with a lot of stuff. Yeah, when uh, <laughs> they got away, they always would get away with a lot of stuff, and that was no exception. Like FX really pushes the envelope on all their shows, like The Shield, Rescue Me, American Horror oh. Story, Sons of Anarchy. Like they are never yeah. not pushing their limits. They're just not showing nipples. That's pretty much right. what they're doing. Everything else, like The Shield, I remember watching that, and I was like, I can't believe this on FX. I think the nipple is like their next goal. It's like they have a show called just nipples, just 24 seven. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be a new streaming yeah. network. <laughs> it's going to be excellent. I, I'll subscribe, subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been really great talking to you. Is there anything else you want to talk about with your uh, uh, upcoming work? I got tongue tied there for a second. So excited. Um, no, right now my newest book uh, visceral two is out. That was uh, a short story collection that myself and Patrick C. Harrison did together. We each wrote four short stories and their body horror also. Um, super violent, super gross. Um, that's out now on Amazon ebook and paperback. I have signed copies also. If anybody wants any of them, I, uh, I have a website, danieljvolpehorror.com. You can get all my books signed, merch, t-shirts, magnets, the whole nine yards. Sweet. I'll be on the lookout, man. Hey, thank you for coming in. Thank you. I right, see everybody. It's been family fright night. See you next week.